What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular attenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor at New Hill Church. I'm Gary Fox, associate pastor of the month, two months in a row. You and lost it last week, actually, but go ahead. And Mark Sherry, one of the members. You lost it. You were gone. You weren't here. So That's a bunch of points. But you also win it. You just have to go back a month. That's we, a bunch of Did you listen to our podcast? I did. We we talked about I this. I know. I heard it, but you know what you I said? Know, I heard it. <laughs> You know what you said? I said pastoral candidate, yes. and then I corrected it. I went, whoa. I, correct- I go, what happened? I, I cor- them up. <laughs> we took you back to candidate. I go, what happened? We Never decided again. <laughs> we decided in the uh, singular use of elder, forget the plurality, uh, we voted while you were gone. Anyway, um, that's not true if anybody's listening and is now concerned. We are still very much plurality. And um, Anyway, how, how was vacation? It was great. It was cool. Was it great or cool? It was was it, it was hot, hot or cool? It wasn't too bad. Last year was like over 100 degrees every day. So this was like in the 80s. You didn't go this time of the year though, right? You went more middle of the No, summer? it was this time of this the year. This time? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was Global warming, man. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was cool. It's the first time I'd flown in a while. I got stopped for screening at every point. Uh, we didn't. I, I can't say we were. I, I, I was worried at the time that I may miss my flight. It ended up not being that big of a deal. But like. I'm sitting here going, they're like, sir, you need to check. I mean, and by the way. This is really early in the morning, right? Yeah, it was like five in the morning or whatever. (laughs) Of course you got picked on. He's like. (laughs) You do look suspect, Gary. But but when they pull you aside, they're not like, oh, you know, um, if you wouldn't mind, would you kind of, kind of. They're like, sir, you need to come here, right? Like, like I did something wrong. Because you hear like, beep, 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 beep. They're like, you, come over here. And I'm like, what are you yelling at me for, man? Like, was it your suspenders? Did you get mail? No. No. They, and, and the lady, and I don't mean to call her a liar, but she says, oh, it's just totally random. I'm like, I don't believe it's, I don't no. believe it's random. No. I think, I honestly, they profile. I think my name, well, I had an American flag shirt on. Yep. Bingo. Uh, that'll do it. He's like, Look at that pig. He's a right winger. You're so, at an so you international got, airport. <laughs> so you got manhandled, basically. No, they, they don't do that so much. I mean, they did kind of frisk a little bit, but... They stuck me in a. They stuck me in a, uh, almost like a tube. Thing. Oh, that's all you got? And I got. A, yeah, it kept happening. I kept, every stop. Aubrey got that too. That was one. You of made the, it. What? He made it sound worse. You know what he's talking about, right? That was when just I went one of to them. when I went to Mexico. I got stopped at every section. They searched our bags thoroughly. Yes. They did the bomb test in my shoes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were all over me. At you every were profiled point. too. They did. That's because I had an American that's flag That's what they did. That makes you me. feel better. They did They're making me take my shoes off. She's They're, suspect as well. She's not They're suspect. wanding me. They're frisking me every step, tearing my bags apart. Like, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, I, I, I'm like, what? do I look like I'm from the Sudan? Or like, what? what's going on here? I mean, seriously, I got four kids with me and my wife. You know what I mean? You think I'm taking this plane down? Come on. Anyway, so, but that was cool. That was cool. We got uh, on our flight home because the weather got delayed an hour and a half, which meant I had about 10 minutes to get these four kids, okay, who were grumpy. And you're looking at me. and Like, you don't want to hear fight. I just want silence, okay, because I got to get you kids across this uh, airport to the other, to get out. So we barely made that. That was... That was high stress. That was the price I had to pay for a vacation. But the vacation itself was cool. Drop the kids off at kids club every day. And That's the key right there. Yes. The kids. Vacations are not great with kids. Mm-mm. But when you have a it's great for them, set aside babysitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, every day is a vacation day for the kids. Think about it. They're waited on hand yeah, and foot yeah, yeah, day yeah. and night. So I I'm a, we, when we take our vacations, we only we try to not bring the kids with us. Now, we are doing one with the kids, but... It's just not fun. Our goal is Cedar Point. (laughs) How old are your girls? Exactly. An hour. Seven and nine. And then you got Steph. uh, I should say, yeah, seven and nine and then nine and 16 for the Right. So they're a little bit. So when they were littler, it's it's Mm -hmm. harder to do, to to, to get away. But our goal is to do a vacation with me and her and then a family vacation. Yes. As the Lord prospers, if we can do it, that's what I would like to do. You know what I mean? And you just bear with it. During the family time, and then actually relax and unwind when it's you and Mama. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You all should go on a cruise. Mm-mm. Don't do a cruise. Stop, Mark. No, you know, I've been, no, stop. 
You like you, you would no, you would stop. Like don't listen to him. <laughs> you would like it. I think you would like it. Why don't you like you, it? So, so he's we've, smart. we've been on the several. Rose, Rose smart. first of all, Rose always gets sick, and for the first like that, week of it. getting back, she's she has that land wobble. Uh, but it's you can find a nice cruise that doesn't have that big one. Get a big one. Get a nice one. But for the most part, you're just stuck on this boat with a ton of people. Usually pretty smelly. Um, the food. I, I don't know. I'm not smelly. Resorts. People? Resorts are the best. Best way to go. I love. If we resort. can, I yeah. won. We won a. Uh, it's a resort. A, a constantly a moving resort. Yeah. And it resort. takes you to paradise each and every day, almost like different places. Different paradises. So you yeah, you get to see all these places, whereas Mark's stuck on like one beach. That's right. Right. But at night you can go to shows. Um, you can go watch the old ladies play the slots in the casino and laugh at it while they smoke. This resort we were at, they had shows. Um, it was cool. You can resorts have all kinds of bars and buffets <clears throat> and uh, water slides. I mean, they've got so many things. Anything, I can go on and on. They've got they've got, uh, they got a kids club. They do have kids club. Anything you say, you the can, resort will have. That's it. And you're not moving great. around. You're not. I'm not moving around. See, boat, the did, boat's moving. Does she like going like on Lake Erie, like a like a just? A, I mean, she'd probably go on a quick quick trip, but not very long. What about like especially pontoons, days? Pontoon yeah, boat. Yeah, boat, we, en- boat, we enjoy yeah, we enjoy boat. pontoons. But when you're on the ocean or the you sea for you know several days, I just have you been to a resort yet, Michael? I've not. So that's the thing. You I'll gonna pay what, for it? Yes, I will. I will fund it. Towards, you will wow, fund I, it. We they have a uh, they have a resort in Afghanistan. I just read about. <laughs> that I'm gonna send it's just about to open. <laughs> I'm gonna send you the one in Israel right now. <laughs> keep you with the Palestines. So one thing I noticed uh, when I came back, to everybody was saying I was tan, and I didn't realize you, you were tan. I didn't realize. I mean, I figured a little bit, but people were like coming out of their way, like, "Man, you're really tan." The paparazzi was taking photos. I was like, what? Wow! All around him. It just was normal, you know. When you're, I guess when you're living it, you don't realize it. But anyways, so this past week we uh, we wrapped up Acts chapter four. We got into chapter five up to verse eleven, uh, talking. We got a, another overview of the church. And uh, we just want to break that down and, and just kind of see other things that stood out from these guys and um, see if they have any questions for, for me. But um, again, it's this overview. We get a, a good picture at the end of chapter four after we've seen the church being bold. We've seen the church praying for, for boldness after seeing the boldness uh, in Peter and John. Uh, we've seen persecution. Um, then we see uh, a little bit of persecution or problems uh, within the church. So this is uh, an attack within the church instead of outside of the church. Uh, that picks up in, in chapter five, but you get a beautiful picture ending chapter four, but then obviously sin comes in and, and divides and distorts uh, the good news in which they'd been sharing. What was something that stood out to you guys or maybe any questions you all have? Well, one thing that always, when I, especially dealing with Ananias and Sapphira, um, a lot of times you'll hear people talk about like there's a difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, right? Yes. God of the Old Testament was quick to judge, quick right. to bring the hammer down. And the God of the New Testament is God of love and patience and, and is not, um, isn't nearly as mean as the God of the Old Testament. Maybe even God evolved and God is, I mean, there's lots of heresies out of that line of thinking or whatever. And this immediately blows up that thinking. And I don't think that's an accident. Ananias and Sapphira deserve to die. Okay, every sin in the eyes of God is worthy of death, right? So he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything wrong to him. He didn't. Yeah, it wasn't unjust. Mm-hmm. No, but I think that he popped them right then and there at the very get go of the church, just to remind everybody, I'm still here. You know what I mean? Like I'm still here. I'm not a joke. Okay, everybody understand everything. Everybody, the whole church is in a great fear. Like fell off. Yeah, everybody understands. Because it happened to Ananias, and then Sapphira mm-hmm. came in, pow, got her. And so I think it is a reminder to us in general that we this should not really be all that shocking to us. It's the times that we've done dumb things and not died. And I told you the story of when I stole from God, remember? And I'm not talking about the, the Was tithe. this two weeks ago? No. Oh, I remember you. When I was a teenager. So does the tithe. You, you don't. Well, it wasn't my tithe. Right. It wasn't your tithe. Yeah. My buddy, Joe Ludding. I don't know. It, times were different. Okay? Throwing out names on here. Joe's going to like. <laughs> Joe Ludding. I'm sure he loves the Lord now. But back then, it was not unusual for some guy 
to be out of church and still give to the church. I think that was more prevalent even in my dad's generation, but it was still... So in his mind, he still had to tithe, but he didn't want to go to church. And I remember he pulled up. I'm 16. He's probably 18. I'm probably 14 or 15. He's probably 18 or 19. He pulls up in his truck, and he's like, Hey, Foxy, come here. And I'm like, okay. He hands me an envelope, and he's like, he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm not staying for church here. Make sure you put my tithe in the offering plate, okay? I'm like, okay. So he drives off. My buddy Eric is next to me, and he's like, Dude, how much is in there? And I'm like, we're in the parking lot. And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, open it up. It was two $20 bills. And That's a big deal in 1960. <laughs> not, not, this is 95. That was, like, that was like a grand. This is 95. <laughs> I put those $20 in my bill and went to church. Didn't think, I mean, I was like, what a dummy. Didn't think anything until what the show rounded you out. <laughs> well, I think my buddy Eric, I, somebody told on me to my youth pastor. And then like a couple weeks later, he's like, Foxy. Come here, my youth pastor, Pastor Don Hartwell. Did you steal that money? And I'm like, I didn't know. I wanted to say no. I wanted a way of saying no that was technically not stealing. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, I bought comic books with it and bubble gum or whatever it was I bought. (laughs) I do remember comic books. And uh, he's like, Foxy. He's like, you didn't steal from the church. You stole from God. And then it was like then the conviction or whatever. And so then I had to work because... 40 bucks in 1995 for a 14 year old that's like a lot to try to hustle up I'm like don't tell my dad please don't tell my dad he's like you have that money here next week I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna send this recording to your buddy Joe so he knows <laughs> I think he did no I think he hit me <clears throat> I think he hit me but anyway the point so I'm, we're laughing ha 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 I stole from God I did I, I absolutely stole from God and, and he could have rightly just dropped me right then and there so the shocking thing is not Ananias' fire get the hammer dropped. It's that I I got to make up for it and get back. You know, I got to not to atone for my sin, but I got to deal with it. I had the opportunity to repent. Let's know. destroy this misconception from the Old Testament, though. Like, you don't even have to go to the New Testament to see that God hasn't changed. Look at the the continuous grace bestowed upon God's people, Israel. Mm-hmm. Like, you read through the prophets, and all these prophets are warning them. And warning them and warning them. And we're talking like thousands of years, like, you know, Genesis all the way up to, to over Malachi and over, over yeah. and over. And then the final prophecy from Malachi warning them. And the, the last thing told was prophesied of John the Baptist. And then he comes on the scene. They reject Jesus, which was prophesied in the Old Testament. So again and again, like we we continue to think that that God is like. Like there is a difference between the God of the Old Testament and New Testament. But just step back to the New Testament and look at all the grace. Like. We don't even have to prove the point in the New Testament that God is is still um, raining down fire at times, like you know, dropping people dead. Like, yeah, but oh my goodness! Like, look look back and you see the the constant pursuit of God with His people, actively pursuing His people and drawing them and calling them to Himself through the mouth of the prophets. Um, they, they weren't like telling them of like all these good things. They were they were warning them of judgment. They were right. bringing upon themselves, which they was didn't grace, stop. right? The warning. Yeah. You know? Like, right. Like, if you don't change this, up. this is coming coming about. So, yeah. How about you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, that, that was exactly what I was going to say, is the immutability of God, that he does not change in his character and his dealings with people. Something else that, <clears throat> you know, I, by the way, I'm thinking Nadab and Abihu, all yeah. through Strange Fire, Aiken. You know, you know, not um, not devoting the the item that he stole to destruction. Yeah, uh, his punishment was far worse than in the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, Uzziah. Um, so, so something else I thought. So, I grew up in a charismatic home, Benny Benny Hinn style, rolling on the floor, being slain in the spirit. And I remember being seven years, however old I was, I was young, and I had a Pentecostal pastor slay me in the spirit you know he put his hand on me and it's just a bunch of emotionalism so you know what you're supposed to do yeah and there was some there was something there it was like a there was like this uh, presence in the room with all the people it was a very emotional you know they're into laughter and so anyway all that to say wow. that they the, so the pentecostals are right that there is a slaying in the spirit but they're wrong about what happens because Ananias and Sapphira were slain in the they're, spirit. They're wrong and what it was happens quite, when you hit the ground. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just a different effect. Yeah, right. That's it. We need to talk more about some of your experiences because it sounds like you weren't... Because Pente- not all Pentecostals are charismatics. 
in that sense. So you were really in it. I mean, they, you yeah, were. It, it was like Ernest Angley, Benny Hinn. But, he, you know, and there were different, since we were missionaries, we associated with different churches. So some were Pentecostal, some were charismatic. Right. But the lines were blurred oh, at yeah, that time sure. between all the churches. I don't think they knew the difference between the two at the end of the day, uh, other than a title. I'm um, glad that you, you made it out. You got like a spiritual facelift or spiritual Botoxing to like clean up those heretical lines. Yeah, so so many second they best. have, um, and then you found your Southern Baptist brothers, and uh, that leads us into our next conversation. Well, let me, can I say one more thing? That was such a good leeway. It was, it was but we, I do want. To I teed it up, and you ruined it. But one, I just want to once again point out the benefit of the expository preaching, where you go through books of the Bible, right? You and passages like this, and the point that I'm about to make here. What could have been made 20, 30, 40 years ago and then moved on. But because of where we are in our culture, it pops out at me, and it should all of us, these responses. And that is the issue of, of, of socialism and Marxism. It seems like we've been hitting on that on a side, kind of side note issue. We keep butting up against it. We're going to keep butting up against it, I think, throughout the book of Acts. And it's interesting here that what did Peter say to Ananias and Sapphira about their money and their land. Was he, it? He said, uh, It's your Satan filled your priest. heart, you know, to lie the Holy Spirit, keep back part of the proceeds. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is yes. Your personal property, yours, it was yours. Not, not, not the churches, not the states, not your neighbors. It was yours. And then he further went on and said, uh, and then after you sold it, uh, was it not at your dis- the money at your disposal? Yours, your money. It was your decision. Nobody. So Peter's, but he's saying you're not going to get slain in the spirit, hardcore, because you didn't give it to the church. That's not why. Let's be. It's like almost like Peter's like saying, let's be very clear here. You're about to meet Jesus because you lied to the Holy Spirit. That's why. Not because you didn't give, because you we we had ownership of that, or that this is communal, or you needed to spread the wealth around, or any of that stuff. Peter makes it very clear, and then down down he goes. But I think that it's just you. If you're not into expository preaching, it would be very easy to stay off of these issues. But because when you go through the Bible, and the Bible deals with these things and defines these terms for us. Whoop, there it is. And that's what Michael touched on in Acts 2 <clears throat> about Marxism and socialism. So anyway, interesting. It is interesting. I've got no good leeway out of that end of the, the SBC. Let's let's start over. So I grew up in a charismatic home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you made it out of there. You really got a spiritual facelift Botox to Mark clear says, those heretical Mark, lines. Mark says, I wasn't raised Southern Baptist, but I got here as fast as I could. That's and we're right. glad you made it here. But... We are um, a week out from recording, uh, the day that we're recording, uh, a few days out from when this podcast drops, uh, from the, the uh, annual meeting, uh, so the national meeting of all Southern Baptists coming together in, in old Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, buddy. That's uh, where you lived, right? Yeah. Were you, in, you were in Nashville? Yeah, okay, so for years. So you, uh, we'll be on your old stomping grounds, and uh, you can show us around there. But Prince's Hot Chicken. That's where we're going that's, first. Let's do it. What is it? Prince's Hot Chicken. Prince's I'll tell Hot you a good chicken. story about it afterwards. Sweet. I cannot wait to have it. So, anyways, that's coming up, and uh, there's a, a lot going on. But we wanted to, to take a little bit of time to just talk about the Southern Baptist Convention, um, what it is, why we love it, why we're a part of it. Um, I'm going to hand it over to, to old Pastor Gary. I thought oh, when Gary. we were talking about this, I was thinking but we should probably define you know, how I am about words. Uh, let's define terms. And the, the first thing, the, the, the biggest thing, is that New Hill Church, theologically and doctrinally, would fall in line with the Baptist tradition. Now, I didn't say Southern Baptist, I said Baptist. So I thought maybe we'd spend just a second to explain why, why is that? Why, why are we Baptist? What, does, what is a Baptist? And then from there, say, because there are other Baptist conventions, why are we Southern Baptist? You're more Baptist because of our view on baptism. That's partially, one. Yeah. I, I would, you know, from my perspective, the Baptists really come out of uh, the Reformation, really. Um, so 
you know, you had your general or Arminian Baptists, and then you had your particular Baptists, which were your Calvinistic Baptists. And, um, you know, the Anabaptists are another group. I don't know that they're associated in any real way with the Baptists of, of today, uh, only, in, only in the sense, only in certain senses. But, you know, to me, the big distinction of, you know, the particular Baptists, uh, when the uh, Westminster divines, as they call them, the Presbyterians, they wrote the confession in 1646. The Baptists did kind of a copy and paste with some revisions into the 1689 London Baptist Confession. Wow. So there, there's been an evolution and there's been these two tracks between the, the general Baptists and the particular Baptists. And that's kind of my right. two cents on the history of it. Yeah. And we don't go back to John the Baptist, just saying. The, the, the trail of what? blood. <laughs> what? You've heard of the trail of blood? That, oh, yes. yes. You don't believe in that? Oh, I, I believe in it in the sense that I do not believe in it. <laughs> so I'd say uh, at least three, three distinctions uh, for Baptists would be uh, our view on salvation. Across the board, grace, uh, grace alone. So that would be what Mark's saying is out of the Reformation. Um, baptism and then eternal security uh, nearly across the board for Baptists. The, the, the big so there's historically what separated the Baptists and there is some discussion on whether or not they, how how the degree to which there's ties between what we think of as Baptists and Anabaptists mm-hmm. there is some there is some overlap although I think it sometimes is overstated but I, I think if you go far enough back they were intermingling more you know to some degree but the thing they both had in common, that was different than our, bro- our the other Reformed brothers who also hold to a biblical view of salvation <coughs> and inerrancy and the sola scriptura, the supremacy of the scripture and so forth. That's something we all agree with. The two things that separated us was baptism, meaning we, we believe in biblical baptism, which they may get offended at because they, they think they do too. But everybody was baptized in the Bible, went under the water, and they were all Christians when they were saved. Or when they were baptized, they were already they were saved. They were believers. So we believe in believers' baptism, biblical baptism. So that's the first distinction that made the, the Baptist folks different than the Presbyterians or became known as Presbyterians, Calvinists, and the magisterial reformers, Lutherans. The other thing is that local church autonomy. Mm-hmm. Local church autonomy. All of those other reformed traditions have a hierarchy outside of the local church that can speak to the local church and can to various degrees, govern or dictate certain things to those local churches. The Baptists immediately rejected that. They were independent. They were, in the most true sense, the they were the non-denominational groups. They were independent churches. So those were the two big things that separated us from the rest of the, Re- the reformers, and that continues on to this to this day. So any non-denominational church, quote unquote, non-denominational church that believes that they're autonomous and independent, like locally governed, and do believers' baptism, from a historical perspective, they're Baptists. So in other words, they've just dropped the name Baptist and call themselves non-denominational. But Baptist is non-denominational in a technical sense. A denomination means Lutherans, Presbyterians, and they're uniform. They have a hierarchy that they all, Anglicans, all of them, have bishops above the local congregations. So those are the two big distinctions, and we read that at New Hill out of the Bible. So we're not ba- we're not Baptists because we were told to be Baptists. We're Baptists because we read the Scriptures and we see local autonomy, which we won't get into all that right now, and we see believers' baptism. So therefore, that just we just fall into that category of of being Baptist. I mean, that's an important distinction, and we don't have to go into it because we've talked about it even when we move through the Baptist faith and message. Mm-hmm. And you can go back, and you can still find those episodes. But it is important to understand. I'm, we're, none of us here, the three of us sitting here, are afraid to say that we're. If if someone said what denomination, we'd say the Southern Baptist mm-hmm. Convention. Generally, that term. Not, yeah. yeah, not a problem. But I mean, very much in a real sense, we aren't controlled by anybody. Now, Baptist is still going to offend people. People have been, you know, quote unquote, hurt by the the Baptist Church. Um, so they that's what they're 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 looking for a certain kind of really worship. Um, is really what people are asking. So if they ever ask if your church is a certain denomination, you can explain that. Like, we are part of the Southern Baptist Convention, but our church governs itself, meaning that people outside of our church family don't tell us what to do. 
Um, and that, that's an important distinction. And then you can say we've got uh, contemporary style worship. Those are the things that people are looking for. Yeah. Um, and if you could break it down, people really don't care about the denomination. They want to know the that's details. Right. So you can explain those details by understanding that, especially within the Southern Baptist Convention, we're all autonomous. Yeah. And in fact, the way you phrased it, you can talk about a Baptist church, but you, you never will hear the term the Baptist church. So you'll hear the Roman Catholic church, the Lutheran church, the Presbyterian church, the Methodist church. The Ohio the, State University. The, the Ohio State, no, the, uh, the Anglican church. You'll hear it single, singular, church, not churches. Um, that's what distinguishes, that's, that's how you know if you're dealing with a denomination or not. Right. Because they are essentially, um, yeah, almost like multi-site in a sense. They're one church. The Lutherans would consider themselves one church, okay, with multiple locations. Southern Baptist, Baptists in general, people that are Baptist don't talk like that. We don't look at it like, so in other words, I'll be, I'll be real blunt. Saddleback Church in California is a Baptist church. They just ordained some women to be pastors. That has nothing to do with New Hill Church. That doesn't mean we're not, whoa, 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 you guys are going to, no. Because we're not one big denomination, and and to be to be fair, the Lutherans, Presbyterians, they they use different confessions too. So, for for instance, the Presbyterian churches, you have uh, the uh, PCUSA, which is a liberal, very liberal, you know, form of Presbyterianism. Then you have the PCA, which is more moderate, and then you have the OPC, the Orthodox, right. and they're much more on the right side of things, like politically and. Um, and also doctrinally, and and something that I think is so important about the autonomy aspect. And I saw this when I was attending a Presbyterian church because I had a hard time finding a gospel preaching church, right. and they were preaching it. Is there was like I saw wisdom in the model that they used in their synod, their general assembly, right. assemblies. There was there was a lot of accountability, but it was so stifling to the local congregation. They couldn't make their own decisions. Right. Some of them were told what to preach. How to do everything, right. and it came from the top. Yes, it came from the top down, and that's what I love about the autonomy of New Hill and other Baptist churches is they can find that accountability in a convention like the SBC, and and do things through that, but they're not bound to it and don't right. have to do things that from the top down. For example, like so, the church voted on me a couple months ago to be one of the pastors. That's because we're independent. Nobody had to go. Uh, to some headquarters or talk to some bishop or cardinal or something and say, who do you want to be one of the... In a denomination, they will move people and say, here's your new guy. So I didn't need to go to the Catholic Church and ask them? No, they would not not approve of me. They didn't. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, man, we wish we could still go back to burning at the stake. I'm surprised you all don't do this podcast without me. (laughs) Honestly, it's just (laughs) too many jokes. Anyways, anyway, yeah, so, so that's, that, that's that, yeah, that's why we're Baptist. Good distinction. Good things to define there, Gary. So, Michael, you're the founding pastor. Why are we Southern Baptist? We are Southern Baptist um, because particularly we fall in line with uh, the um, confession uh, or better known as the uh, statement of faith, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. So we agree uh, with the doctrine laid out by the Southern Baptist Convention. And we also um, get behind the mission. Um, now, I, I don't think that those two can be divorced. Um, I see that a lot um, going on a lot now. People are Southern Baptists and they could care less about the, the theological statements, um, but they wanna get on board with mission or they don't care for the mission, but wanna be on board with the theological statement. Um, we are Southern Baptists because of both. Uh, we right. think that's a solid, statement of faith laid out um, by our brothers and sisters before us. Um, and we think that they have a great uh, sense for mission, not just here in the States, but also uh, across the globe. Um, so it's, it's both of those for us. It's really, our, it's really our way of partnering with churches of like faith uh, for missions. That's yeah. the, you, you can, and so like faith, so Baptist faith and message, we're yep. We're, for the most part, on board. You know, I'm sure there's always little distinctions because Baptists, you know, can hardly get along, you know, within their own congregation sometimes, let alone multiple congregations. But for the most part, in agreement, 
and then saying, let's partner together. Um, that was, you know, I mean, that's just the most basic way of understanding. The Southern Baptist Convention is massive. So to be part of it, you are part of a massive, massive mission-sending organization, I guess, and training. So the training of pastors, the training of missionaries, all of that we see value in and say, hey, you know, we could do a little bit at New Hill Church, but if we partner with other churches of like faith in the Southern Baptist Convention, in this case, we can support seminaries and we can support disaster relief, feeding programs, all of gospel-centered stuff. And then missionaries, like you said, we got missionaries, I believe, in every country. I mean, many of them, we, don't, we, we won't ever publish their names because they're in very, very dangerous places. But our money partnered and, and coupled together with other churches like us supports that. So those missionaries aren't running around having to raise money half the time. Mm-hmm. They're just, it's like ready, set, go. I right. mean, off they go. And I mean, for us, you know, with, uh, over a $100,000 budget, we give more than 10%. So let's say $13,000 at the end of the year uh, going to missions. Let's say we just picked one thing to help out. Right. $13,000 will go a long way, but it won't go all the way. Funded. Right. But we can give particularly 6% to the cooperative program, which they divvy up um, as they see fit. And we trust them. Uh, we know that it's going to seminaries, that's equipping and training pastors and not just pastors, but ladies who are going to, to seminary to uh, be equipped for the work of ministry, which all believers are supposed to do. Uh, so they're getting formal education. So that's helping there um, with scholarships, with paying, you know, uh, salaries for everything. So for professors, all of it, the whole program helping out, um, then going into, to helping those missionaries overseas, helping, uh, cover costs for them, uh, to bless them too. They, they do a lot of gifts, um, as well, a portion of the budget from the North American mission board. And I'm, I'm sure the IMB as well, which is the international mission board goes to literally just blessing them from time to time. Just, you know, uh, for instance, Aubrey just got like a, a nice little backpack and a letter, uh, from Nam and, and encourage. Yeah. And it said, thank you for the work that you do. Like we don't undervalue you. We appreciate you so much. Uh, your work does not go unnoticed. Right. Uh, even f- for just caring for, you know, your husband and the, the work that's going on, uh, within your home, especially church planting, especially when you first start, especially right. when you first start, it can be, be discouraging. very lonely, yeah. very lonely and yeah, very discouraging. And so, yeah, you have a network of people that remember you and are praying for you. That Even things like that. Like, I don't know. I always say back in my day. I don't know if this still goes on in your day. But back when I was with the North American Mission Board, which is the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, I periodically would get emails from, from people saying, hey, we prayed for you specifically in Wadsworth at that time. Yeah. Or in Akron. You know, and I don't even know who these people are. But in their meeting that day, they opened up and maybe they've got five or ten, in their case, North American missionaries, and they prayed for them before they did anything else that day. And then they let us know. And that matters. That kind of stuff really matters. I was wondering if, um, just to make it more practical, explain how the Southern Baptist Convention, give people an idea how they helped a kid from Huntington, West Virginia, get to Medina to plant a church. Well, the biggest thing is talking about church planting. Um, so they're all about planting churches that'll plant churches. Uh, so that's the first step. Um, and Aubrey and I found our way into a Southern Baptist church plant, uh, in West Virginia, close to where we were living and getting involved there. You, you just see the, um, the pioneer mindset of starting something, uh, not for the sake of ourselves, but for the sake of the gospel and seeing the kingdom advance. Um, so we were a part of that and, and we were brought into that. Uh, we were shepherded well with the mindset of, were they supported? They were, they were supported so by the North American mission. So, so that's what I'm saying. So yeah. it, they had planted, um, new Heights church, uh, through funding and everything. So Pastor Will Basham, uh, you know, he, he'd gotten his funding. And again, he found a Southern Baptist church and they explained to him, he agreed with the missional statement, agreed with the mission. Um, so he got on board and then through sitting under the preaching and teaching of a church plant, obviously you, you hear about it a lot. You see it, uh, you see the value of it. And we started to explore what that would look like for us. Um, we would come up to visit Aubrey's family uh, that lived in the Cleveland area 
and just I felt the strong sense of a call uh, to Northeast Ohio. And again, they're having these efforts, what they call send cities, where they're trying to send more people to be missionaries and plant churches. And Cleveland was one of them. Um, so they had um, a format up here, like a, a way to like work your, your way in through an internship, apprenticeship, and then become a church planter. And we said, hey, that's our first step. So they had that established. So um, set up, yeah, funded, it was Exactly. It was rolling. And anybody, um, men and women, can do the internship. Again, it's kind of like with the seminary for, for ladies. It would be uh, seeing what a role in ministry looks like, uh, being a part of a church, particularly a church plant. Um, and then the apprenticeship, you would that would be your next step towards church planting um, as an actual pastor. Um, so for us, that, that was it. It was, it was getting connected with NAM, which was great because New Heights didn't have to do vision trips for us up to Cleveland and figure out what was going on. NAM already had that established. And they, do that, and they do that through state conventions. So NAM, as an organization uh, that's funded and, and run by the Southern Baptist Convention, isn't having to get their hands in the area. There's missionaries in Ohio uh, where their job is to, to look for places that need churches. Uh, right now we've got uh, Buzz Kochar. Coacher, yeah. um, that's our, our new uh, church planting catalyst. We call him a CPC. And, you know, he's doing a phenomenal job, like checking in with us, seeing how we're doing, um, talking to us about, you know, can we send guys to intern under you because we want to see more church planters in the area, um, you know, seeing how we can partner together. He's getting a feel, you know, he called you about a, a town uh, south of you and, you know, a potential church planter down there. Right. So we're all working together. That way, Buzz isn't running the state. He's not having to move to a community and get a feel for it. We're able to, to communicate with one another um, well, without exhorting all of our efforts in one particular spot. So what? Did, so when you got, would they evaluate you, and then they put you? What they, happened? They do that now. Um, at, at what point did uh, the Southern Baptists get behind you and actually start putting money and actually resources? When did that start? Literally moving to Cleveland, I started an internship, but Nam also um, in these send cities. They've been buying apartments uh, to house um, interns and apprentices that are looking to church plant. Uh, that way they can help them with, uh, you know, cost. I mean, housing costs. So that was great for us because that provided us transitional housing for an entire year. Um, so that was a way that they, they put money into us. Um, literally pretty much just paid for utilities for a whole year. And for us, that was huge because right. that was my full-time job was an intern making $1,000 a month. Right. So that's not a lot of money. Right. Um, but it was money. Uh, so, uh, that, I mean, that's when they got behind me. Now the process is a little bit different and I would say better, um, in the sense that they're actually evaluating guys like X 29. Yeah. Um, they've really kind of modeled that where they sit down and they question them on like theology, but practice, um, uh, your testimony, things like that. Now I had that at new heights. So you know, it's not like I missed out or like I right. lucked out or anything. You know, these guys, New Heights would not send us, especially being an X29 church where they see that process and know the value in it before NAM was doing it. Um, they did that in-house for me. But NAM, as soon as I moved to Cleveland, started supporting me financially and with coaching as well. So, And then from there to Medina. Mm-hmm. So they they didn't – What I, I guess what I'm trying to point out is like they don't just – Oh, they didn't pick Medina. They didn't make me go somewhere. That's another good they point. They didn't make me come to Cleveland. I reached out to the church planning catalyst in Cleveland and, you know, started – I had to apply. Um, so there were there was some kind of questionnaire for me to be able to get on. And the whole idea with that was making sure that I wasn't just going to take the money and run, which happens uh, – it's happened in the past, which is why these um, – these evaluations are so important where they're bringing in the the pastor and his wife uh, right. if he has one to sit down and talk with them and question them to make sure that they're fully on board because what was going on for a long time and, and still happens a little bit is people will find out that nam gives money out to church planters and they're like well i want to plant the church let me just go through nam and as soon as funding runs out they're no longer southern baptist right so yeah no it's, uh, yeah. and that happens because we're all autonomous Exactly, and that's the risk they take. Yeah. Now they want to mitigate it as much as they can, but the truth is, is that we could bounce tomorrow if we wanted to. New Hill. Mm-hmm. After all, the, I mean, think about all the thousands of dollars. Well, our our funding just ended, like literally this month. They gave us an extra year. It was supposed to end last year, so they blessed us. Yeah, they stopped uh, funding new church plants, um, and you know had to 
to turn and, and start giving to... Yeah, they had, they had the money sitting there. They didn't feel that... Well, it think about this. The Annie Armstrong offering yeah. was busted last year. Now, they still had an offering, but remember Easter? Mm-hmm. No one really met. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, virtually. So, it's like you're barely meeting. People aren't making money. And it's like, okay, we're going to ask for this extra offering called the Annie Armstrong right. offering that goes to the North American Mission Board. So, anyways. So, um, literally... so. So thousands, tens of thousands. I mean, who knows? you probably get down and add it up. New, when New Hill New has Hill, probably been blessed with thirty, forty thousand dollars from them. Is are you counting the internship stuff too? Like I mean everything. So you look at a thousand, fifty grand maybe, a thousand a year. So that's twelve thousand just in my internship in Cleveland, which was an investment into New Hill because it was an investment exactly. into pastor preparing. Then um, two thousand a year uh, for my apprenticeship. Right. Uh, it might have even been like. 2000 or 2400 uh, a month and then it dropped down to like 1200 then 1000 then 700 so and that's each year so 1200 right. a year so again that's another over 12000 so, so so yeah you look at this and so you go they didn't just say yeah Michael we think this would be great we'll have a couple meetings with you have fun. okay go plant a church yeah. right no there's an actual machine if you will Behind this, there's an organization behind it to get these churches to at least have them get have a fighting chance to get off the ground, like New Hill has. And so it's a support system. It's exactly, and not, it's not just not work, a drag system, but right? A, the, no, no, no. It's all voluntary, which is really good to understand. They're elevating yes. the, the the work that is being done for it is for the kingdom. Yeah, because like you said, a church can bounce. Yeah, you could take the money and bounce. I, I know, it's happened here in Medina. I, I mean, dude, seriously, I, I won't like throw the name. I out, won't but. throw the name out, but I was around. That was back in my day when this was going on, and I was involved in the associate local association. So um, on in some um, leadership roles, and so this it really wasn't. The, so a guy came, took all the NAM money, but we keep saying NAM. That's a that's a that's the organization. That's the Southern Baptist Mission North American Mission Agency. So <laughs> he takes the money, right? Not one time, because I was I met with the church leadership late after all this went on. So I heard it from their own lips. This is not third hand. I'm sitting there. None of his leaders knew they were with the Southern Baptist Convention. Not one. He he I don't not one of them. Nope. So he resigns, moves back to South Carolina or wherever he's from. They bring in a new guy. Right. So then our local missionary like you would think, want to say, hey, how you doing? You know, just wants to meet the guy. He's he's the new pastor in the association. He calls him up, and the guy's like, I, yeah, I'd love to meet with you. He's real nice about it. But he's like, I don't know what, what what this is about. And he's like, well, you guys are part of our part of our network. He goes, nobody. So he went through his whole interview process. They were with far this from church. Southern Baptist too. Well, doctrinally, there was, uh, yeah, but the, so the point is like, the point is that so that's not good, right? But because this money is for the kingdom, and it's not a, like a for-profit type of deal, it's to advance the gospel with this understanding that churches are independent and local and self-governed. It's like Shark Tank it's with like, no return. They're in faith, right? Yeah, they're like Nam's faith. giving the money back knowing that they may not get it back. Right. Like, and, and I mean or that by like, like we're behind it. So like we're giving back in and we're not like, it's not like we're paying a debt. Like, Oh, they've given like 40 no. to 50 that like we're giving because we love the cause. Yeah. Um, and you've seen it in action. Right. And that's why I guess maybe one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is because when you're just like attending new Hill, you just think it's a church or whatever, as you should. But I want to give folks an understanding as to like why we're passionate about it, why it matters because not so, and not only is there a risk, of some church bouncing, which I guess could happen and has happened. But more, the bigger risk is that the church never gets off the ground and that money is already spent. So, but it's just generosity. It is just, you know, you want to evaluate the guys, make sure you've got the right type of temperament and so forth. It, it, not everyone can plant a church. It's a, it's a very, I don't know, it's, it is a rough thing to do. The body count is, high, is very high, but they support it. They mm-hmm. push, they push, they push. And so when you've seen it on the back end, you've seen it on the back end, I've seen it on the back end, it makes you excited about it because you think these people here just 
that this thing exists, and I'm sure you can find warts. I'm sure you can go on the websites and find something that wasn't done right. When you're dealing with any organization of people, you're going to find that kind of stuff. But when you've experienced it and you've seen the support, you've seen, you've cashed the checks, you've used the uh, startup funds that they give you to plant the church, you think to yourself, hey, this is real. This matters. Think about how many people have been saved through New Hill and baptized because of the ministry of New Hill, right? That's because that church is here. And that church, obviously, it's all under the sovereign hand of God, right? But he uses secondary means. And we want to say that the Southern Baptist Convention blessed every one of us listening to this right now because of the ministry of New Hill Church and because of a mission agency that, that before there was a New Hill, believed that there needs to be a New Hill. And so we want to be partnering with other churches so that way we can continue to spread the light, continue to speed the light, and push this thing forward. And so that's why we're excited about it. We want to kind of give you an understanding that it's not, uh, oh, it's just what our denomination is or whatever. No, it's a missions agency. It's a massive missions agency. Right, which is why it's important for us as a church to be represented at the Southern Baptist yeah. uh, annual meeting. Things get voted yeah, on. Yeah, so... so Exactly. So uh, the three of us here, we're going to be going <clears throat> and representing New Hill Church as messengers. Uh, plus, um, Aubrey will also be a messenger uh, to go and to vote on these things. And the reason we vote, uh, even though we're autonomous, is because it controls, uh, the SBC controls these mission organizations. So the things that are done at the top don't flow into to New Hill to affect what we do or what we say as a church, right. but affects the mission organization. It affects the seminaries. It affects... Uh, the direction or representation also of our convention yes. um, as, as far as things that we believe. So um, Pastor Gary mentioned a church that, you know, ordained uh, some lady pastors earlier. So in voting, we're saying we want leadership uh, to keep an eye on these things and make sure that we're staying unified on the doctrinal statement that we've all agreed to, which is the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Um, and then outside of that, where there's some leeway, we also want to stay um, level-headed. We want to stay sound doctrinally, uh, but also practically. Uh, right. So our doctrine affects the way that uh, we practice. Um, so yeah, I mean, so denominations, it's top down. You've got bishops, maybe in the Roman Catholic, you have the Pope, and it just trickles down. And we're more bottom to up. The, it's yeah, the the authority with see the Southern Baptist Convention, as I said earlier, is not a church. Right. It's an organ. It's all it is. It's a convention. It's an organization of churches and the authority for them to do anything literally gets voted on by those churches at the annual meeting and so we want to have a voice we get a voice because we're part of the convention we if we as the lord prospers we want to send missions or uh, not missions uh, uh messengers to the convention because the authority for the convention to do things rests in the church so it's bottom up let me go ahead and say this. If you're interested in, in being a messenger um, next year, so in 2022, uh, go ahead and look and see if you'd be able to uh, get those dates off. You can type in, go to Google, Southern Baptist Convention Annual Meeting 2022, and it'll, it'll, it'll give you the place. If you can get there, uh, we'll, we'll give you a place to rest your head. Um, 100%. Yep. If our whole church went, not everybody can vote. We only get so many votes. It's just like the Electoral College, in a sense. Right. Um, depending on the size of your congregation, and then it's up to a max. So if you're a mega church, you only get so many people still. But um, if you can get there, by all means, we will yeah. give you a place to, to lay your head at night. And it'd be a great experience for you. I think next year's is in uh, California. It is California. So I can't remember where, though. It's south of L.A. Is, is that San Jose? I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, it's in California. Yeah. Uh, so if you like get, to be, able and then to you can make that mission, out of that. That's like a couple days. Make that your family vacation with yeah. your family after that. Like oh, there's a, preaching. Yeah, there's, there's preaching. Yeah, there's a conference. It's not all business. Uh, right. There's some preaching. There's worship um, for the uh, the sin conference, which is two days before the actual meeting. So uh, this year it's like Sunday and Monday, and then the actual meetings Tuesday, Wednesday. But Sunday and Monday they're having like David Crowder. Yeah. Um, Another big name, Matthew. Uh, man, what's that one guy's name? Singer. Um, Kanye West. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness! You hear him come to his his gospel album. 
Man. Can you imagine if the Southern Baptist booked Kanye West? Oh, man, that would be awesome. I think he would do it. He, I don't know. If, I, I think he would do it. I haven't heard him talking as much, but I haven't seen, like, any bad news about him still. No, I think he's saved. Do you think? I don't know. That's crazy. I mean... Everything he said so, to me... So let me say I this. What, what Pastor Gary just asked, when you see, like, radical things like that happen... Our instinct is to, oh, I don't know, I have to yeah, see fruit. Don't ever do that with anybody. Uh, celebrate their salvation until proven otherwise. I mean, truthfully. Um, yeah. And, then, and if there's someone in your life and you can't believe it, then get up off your butt and Talk disciple them. them. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, if, if they're professing faith at that point, then they need someone to disciple them. Better you than some heretic get a hold of them. Yeah. And then them be saved but be misled. You know what I mean? So, so anyways. Be glad... <laughs> Get in the Kanye. We're part of the Southern Baptist Convention. When you hear that, you say, "Oh, that's good. Good. I'm glad." Don't don't let it just be a thing of like, "Okay, whatever," or "I just care about New Hill" or whatever. Be glad. It's a good. It's a very good thing. People all around the world are hearing the gospel because our churches come together, pull our essentially pull our money together, and send out missionaries, train. Uh, like you say, uh, the seminaries train pastors and missionaries. We have. Uh, the, uh, they call it now Send Relief, where whenever there's disaster relief, the Southern Baptists are the large. They partner with the Red Cross. So whenever you hear about the Red Cross going into an area, what, what does that mean? That's, that's a whole uh, network of organizations that go in under the banner of Red Cross. And the Southern Baptists are all, either always or almost always the largest bunch. So it's, it's like hands on the ground. They support that. I went... Um, back then, they just called it disaster relief. But after the, there was a couple hurricanes. I should remember this, but one of them hit the uh, west, hit the Gulf Coast of uh, Texas. We ended up getting turned around. We got all the way to Atlanta. Where were we going? We were going to Florida. I don't remember. But they turned us around. Do you know why they turned us around? Because there were so many volunteers, Southern Baptist volunteers down there, that they just said we've got plenty and we're good to go. So just send these guys coming from Ohio back. They, they paid for us to go back to, so they paid our gas to turn around. But it's a great thing. So a lot of times, people that are like retired or whatever, and they're still in good shape, they'll get involved in the send relief ministry. Right. And that could be local, like if a tornado hits in somewhere in Ohio, or it could be you know uh, somewhere in the country or whatever. But the point is that it's just it's a massive, massive gospel uh, effort. So be glad when you hear that. Be glad we're part of that. It's a good thing. Amen. Amen. We hope that this podcast helps you to put Jesus in the perspective. If you have any questions about this episode, a previous episode, or about our relationship with Jesus, please email us at engage at newhilloh.com, and we will reach out to you. Um, we'll answer your questions through podcasts, or if it requires us to reach out to you personally, we will because we want to help you to put Jesus in the perspective. All right, church, go out and honor God in all that you do. Observe the things he's commanded. Provide to the needs of others and extend the offer that's been extended to you. Peace. Boom. Godspeed.